you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 203. Hi, guys. I have Lynetta Willis with me today. She is a psychologist and family empowerment coach, and she helps frustrated families stop stable misery cycles or unhelpful patterns that keep them stuck so they can create more joy in their parenting or partnerships. Her Triggered to Transform parent coaching program has helped parents all over the world to confidently deal with their triggers so they can pass on the best parts of themselves and enjoy parenting more. Dr. Willis believes that in order to create lasting shifts in the culture and consciousness of future generations, organizations, and the world, we must begin by shifting the consciousness of families. Dr. Willis is committed to helping transform the world one family at a time. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. (laughs) This is going to be fun. Okay, and so I want to hear all about this term that you have coined, and I see trademarked, it looks like, or copyrighted, whatever the little Mm -hmm. circle thing means, (laughs) the stable misery cycle, because I think this is really going to resonate with so many of our listeners. Tell me. What is a stable misery cycle? Yeah. So I've been in this field for over 20 years and I've worked with families for that long. And especially with couples and parents, I started to notice that they would get into this space for couples. What it would often look like is they would marry their soulmate, but end up living with their roommate. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is they would get married, things would be fine. And then over the years, they would enter into this state of misery where nothing's broken, fire, you know, house isn't burning down, everything's pretty stable, but they're unfulfilled. They're not happy. They're repeating the same fights or the same patterns again and again that just don't work. Essentially, they're miserable, mm-hmm. right? And it's not uncomfortable enough to get out, mm-hmm. but it's not comfortable enough to stay there for the rest of your life and retire with each other either. So there's this underlying fear and frustration and discomfort around like something's got to change because I can't, we can't be like this forever. It's not healthy. It's not helpful. And we don't want to model this for the kids. So that's what it looks like in the couple's realm. Mm -hmm. Are they fighting a lot or are they just kind of coexisting? Both. So the cycle looks different for different people. So sometimes it's just a coexisting, right? Well, I should say in both cases, it's coexisting. Sometimes they get to a point where they just stop fighting. Like usually what ends up happening is they're fine. Then they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And then things just kind of flatline, right? And it's like Mm -hmm. not even worth it anymore. I can't even with you. But even when they're fighting, it's like the same. It's like Groundhog Day, like Mm -hmm. a horror movie version of Groundhog Day, where it's just like the fights are the same. The points that are being made are the same. The, you know, it's like they could sit down before the argument and you could tell each of them to script out the fight and they would essentially write down the same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the stable, consistent aspect of it. And they might read books. They might go to counseling. They might try these different things to stop it. But inevitably, they end up falling right back into the same cycles and habits again. Mm -hmm. My husband and I were there for years. You were. So I get it. We were stuck in that cycle. And so what did you do to what like like what did you do if you kind of had to just give us the cliff notes? How did you start to dig yourselves out of that. Yeah. The first thing I did was I I named it. 
right? I was like, we are stuck in stable misery. And this isn't cool. And what's interesting, like being a psychologist, being married to a psychologist, I'm sure is not easy. And so there would be times where I would offer solutions, but I didn't know what I was talking about because he didn't want to listen to me, even though, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So it's kind of hard to to heal your own marriage. So what we ultimately ended up doing, though, we ended up getting help. We we actually still have a family coach to this day, you know, Mm -hmm. and we ended up going in and the first the very, very first thing was we had to acknowledge it. We had to acknowledge what was going on and agree that it wasn't okay. And then once we did that, that's where the real work began. I actually created this framework called the PADS model. And it's an acronym, P-A-T-H-S. And there are five steps or paths, whatever you want to call them, that people I find really need to walk or acknowledge or move through in order to truly shift any sacred relationship that they're in. So we basically walked those paths together. And the other thing I want to say about stable misery that's really important is it's not an on-off switch. It's not an on-off switch. It's more like a dimmer switch. And what I mean by that is if you put like, I'll say stable misery is at the bottom and dynamic joy is at the top, right? It's like kind of where you want to be and, and it's it's fluid and it's moving and, and you're you're happy together stable misery is at the bottom. It's not, I'm either joyful or I'm in stable misery. It's a dimmer switch, right? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we're pure dynamic joy. Other times we're moving down towards stable misery. But what that has become for us is an indicator, Mm -hmm. right? When stable misery becomes a dimmer switch type of situation, it's an indicator. So we can look at each other and be like, you know what? I think we're moving towards the bottom of the dimmer switch. Maybe we need to implement some things to help us move back up again. And I find that mindset to be really important for families in general, but especially couples to understand because it can be really easy to have like a great week. And then the next week you're like, oh, this was really hard. And it's up. See, we've come right back. We're, we're right back where we started. Nothing's changed. We can't change this. And it's like, no, the dimmer switch just went down. Hmm. And when you get the tools, you know, whether it be through the paths or whatever, you can move it back up, which mm-hmm. is different from where families start, where they don't have the tools and all they know how to be is stuck mm-hmm. in that situation. Well, and then the stuckness just becomes the norm. And so yeah. you just get used to it and mm-hmm. you don't even know what could be better because you're just yeah. used, this has just become your familiar. And so it's exactly. kind of, it's like you just start living in complacency and yeah. And that yeah. sucks. Oh, I was just with a couple yesterday and when we started working together, it was a heterosexual couple and the wife messaged me and she was like, I think I'm done. Like I, I can't imagine anything that can change. Like I just, he's not changing. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't even know, can this be saved? And now we're five sessions in and the last session we just had yesterday, she's like, she's smiling and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel so much more connected to you. You know, for not for literal reasons, for medical reasons, he was outside of the bedroom and she was like, you know, I really want you to come back. Like, we got to figure this out because I miss you. I miss being connected to you. I mi-, You know, and they were like, if you had told us we would be here five weeks ago, we would have looked at you like you were nuts, right? But this is the way it is. It's like, I tell people, don't come to me when the house is burning down. Come mm-hmm. to me when you start to smell the smoke, okay? Or when the, when the detector starts going off. Because that's when, it's not that, that, that it can't be, things can't be changed when the house is burning down. The thing is, when you're in that stable misery space and you start to recognize it, instead of just sitting there and existing, get up, get the guidance, get the support so that you can move forward together. So what do you do? And I'm just thinking about somebody I know. She knows that they're, she wouldn't have called it stable misery, but now, of course, I'm going to turn her on to your work. And they are living in stable misery. Mm. I mean, I think a big part of it involves that She's a very hands-on mom and has been for many years. She's, you know, obsessed with her children. And I think 
he wouldn't admit this, but he, he probably just thinks his kids are kind of a pain in the ass. Like he probably shouldn't have had kids and he kind of mm. resents his children and he resents how much time she gives to the kids and how much time mm. she's given to. So rather than meeting her there, he just fights her. And it's almost like it's another, it's like the needy man child who wants her attention mm. And, you know, I think the way she feels is you would get my attention if you'll just meet me and be as crazy about these kids as I am. And then we'll yeah. bond and connect over them. But instead, he fights her. So he's kind of in that rebellious teenage stage. But mm. yet he's her husband and he's pissed at her. And she has said to him now for over a year, we need to get a third party. We need to either go to a therapist or find a coach or do something. And yeah. he is refusing. So he's mm. like, nope, no, I'm not. He's like, you need to go to therapy. You're the problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and you, you know, know <laughs> I mean, the, the sad thing is, is that this is a couple that the chemistry I can see it between them. Like the chemistry mm. has been alive and yeah. he just doesn't know what he doesn't know. So she's been following people like me and you for many years. She's a really amazing mom. She's just, you know, she's just got, I think she kind of moved up the ladder in terms of self-awareness and mm. he hasn't moved with her. And so yeah. now she's at a place where she loves him and she's like, I don't know what's going to happen here because he refuses. He refuses to get unstuck. And I cannot live like this forever. Yeah. So what would your guidance be for that? Mm. That one's really, that one's, that's a tough one. And it's not, I hate to say it, it's not super uncommon where you'll have a couple where one person is like, let's do this. Let's go get help. Let's, let's move. And the other person's like, nope, 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 nope. Don't want to. You're the problem. You go get help. You know, and the first thing is she can get help, right? To help coach her through, okay, what does this mean? You know, like, A, are there things that can happen and shift outside of his presence? in the coaching space with you. B, if he never comes, what does that mean? You know? And then also just exploring, are there ways to encourage him and, and help him understand the importance of coming in this space together? Right? And so her having that awareness is great. And she may also need support around what do I do in terms of like, how do I move forward? How can I empower myself to move forward in a way that feels good to me um, so that I can make decisions that feel good to me about myself, about the kids, about my relationship with him. The other thing, if they were in front of me, I'd be asking questions like, why doesn't he want to come? Like, has there been a negative experience with coming to this type of coaching situation or a therapeutic situation? I've, I've had so many clients come to me and be like, we did couples coaching. It so didn't work. Or couples mm -hmm. counseling, it didn't work. You know, and so he doesn't want to come because he thinks it's a waste of money and it's a waste of time. And my thing is always just let's get on the phone and let's talk like you can always talk like getting on the phone with somebody and having an initial conversation about whether or not this makes sense to move forward doesn't mean that you are committing your firstborn to this relationship. Like just get on the phone and have that's why for me, I always have like, let's do a consultation because here's the thing. I don't take on every client that calls me. I don't mm -hmm. because sometimes it's not necessary. Sometimes it's not appropriate, you know? So let's get on the phone. Let's have a conversation together. And if at the end you're like, nope, mm -mm, nope, then I will do my absolute best given what I know and what I've heard to give you my suggestions on what may be helpful. And then you can move on from there. But my strong recommendation would be, because sometimes it's like, we need to go to counseling. We need to go to coaching. Well, we need to get on one call with someone just to get a lay of our land and communicate and maybe come up with a few solutions and some next best steps. That feels a lot less overwhelming than let's commit to this endless process <laughs> with mm -hmm. someone that may or may not work, right? And even if he does think that she's the problem okay, well, let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then you can have some say into, in the way that she needs to fix her problem. 
If I think back, if I think back to how I, air quotes, got my husband to join me mm-hmm. and it's it's now 21 years ago, probably, where we took a six-week in-person parenting class. It was before online yeah. parenting programs really even existed. It was just, there was one, mm-hmm. it was in our neighborhood. I don't know how I found it. I can't remember how I found it, but I had my son who now is 24. He was three. He was a little over three. He was almost, he was three and a half. And my daughter, who's now 21, just turned 21 this summer. She was a newborn and it was one day and it's like goes into what you talk about in not wanting to repeat those generational patterns. Okay. So, so I didn't even know what I didn't know, but I remember I had Avery, my daughter, who was a newborn, and I had her like in her little bassinet out in, like, for some reason, I thought it was a good idea at during the witching hour at, you know, 530 or six o'clock or whatever, to have the Uh newborn out in the common areas of the house. And my husband comes home from work. I was a stay at home mom at the time. And he comes home from work. And I'm having one of those Calgon take me away kind of moments because it's like that time of the day. <laughs> and he walks in yeah. and our three and a half year old son, who now I would say he was highly sensitive. He was strong willed. Mm. He was highly sensitive. He comes running because he's excited that his daddy's home and he starts making a whole bunch of noise. The baby starts crying. It's like a whole, <sighs> you know, it's like a whole shit show going on. And of course, my, and now my husband, who I now know is also highly sensitive and Mm. noise pollution is the enemy for him. And so, and he's transitioning from work to home, but I don't know any of those things. And so he immediately starts kind of, whether he was yelling or just kind of speaking harshly or just kind of in my, in my brain just was kind of being mean to our son. And he was just like, you know, trying to quiet him down because the baby just got woken up. And, and so he starts kind of getting cross with him and something in my brain triggered me back to my childhood and I got mama bear defensive. Mm. And I I remember exactly where we were. And in that moment, I looked at him and I said, we are not doing this. Mm. And he said, doing what? And I said, this. I said, we're either going to marriage counseling or we're going to a parenting class. And now I, what I realized, I really gave them two positive choices. They were both, I didn't care which That's one it true. was. <laughs> right, right. This or this. <laughs> I was like, I, but I think I got that kind of, that kind of scary yeah. You know, that scary kind of low voice, like, like, where it's like everything stops and everybody looks like, oh, yeah, what's like happening. And, and, yeah. and I would define that as pack leadership, which is what was like my energy was, we are not doing this. I will not yeah. have a family filled with rage. And so I said, we're doing one or the other. You get to choose, pick. And he kind of looked at me right. and was like, and he, I think he was thinking, what's what's less painful, the lesser of two evil, evils? He was like, I guess a parenting class. I was like, perfect. Parenting course? Yeah. I was like, perfect. I'll sign us up next week. And, yes. and yes. but I, I have to say, and he says this all the time because there's lots of resistant men in that, you know, mm-hmm. coming, coming into the process. And especially with what I do, where it's, you know, all about parenting and not nothing. I always yeah. say, I'm not a couples therapist. This is all about parenting. He's like, mm-hmm. just tell them it's better than marriage counseling. I mean, that six week course changed <laughs> our relationship forever. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that easy. There's, there's, there's many more resistant men than you were. And I think I was, you know, I was kind of like a tough chick. And so I had that like, don't F with me kind of energy going on about me. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so it was just like, there is no, this is our family. We are raising actual humans. It is not an option not to do one or the other. 
not to do the work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the stable misery concept is so interesting. And I think, I, I think that's where I would have been. Yeah. I, I really do. I think that because I would have had so much resentment if we wouldn't have brought in a third party, you know, and in the form of that parenting class way back when. I don't even want to tell you how I got my husband there because <laughs> You know, I can't say he was 100% sober the first couple of classes. He was like, it was in the evening. It was three hours once a week, three hours in the evening. And and he was just like, I'm going to have to have a couple of drinks. I was like, you do what you got to do. You You're do, just, you, we're going. Just be there. <laughs> we're just, we're just going. Yes. Um, and you know, but yeah. The thing that I love about that, too, I always tell people, I'm like, well, with me, you kind of get a three in one because I'm trained as a psychologist. I had a private practice for a number of years. And so I worked with couples and parents and individuals. And so it is not uncommon for me to have somebody come to me with a parenting issue. And then we get that under control in the first few sessions. And then they're like, should we focus on us now? You know, because like I said, like, I really do think it starts with families. Like you can look at like the government and Congress and Senate and all this stuff. They all come, they all came from somewhere. All these people (laughs) came from somewhere, you know, they came from families and that's influencing. It influences how we show up in the world. And it's that awareness that's so important. So I was trained in systems and one impacts another, impacts another, impacts another. So how I am as a wife is going to impact how I am as a parent. It's going to impact how I am as a coach is going to impact how I am as a wife. It all impacts everything. And the other thing that you said that I, I think is so beautiful when you mentioned you realized that you were triggered in that moment, you know, and so I, I talked about the paths model earlier. The A stands for awareness, right? We have to be aware of the fact that there is a problem and we have to be aware of when we are being impacted by our past experiences or by our present circumstances, right? So as a new mom, you might've just been super stressed because you got this kid and the sleeping kid and the, you know, all this other stuff going on. And that's just, that's a lot of stress. The present circumstances can absolutely overwhelm a new mother. And sometimes our past experiences trigger us, right? We're in those moments. And sometimes it's a bit of both, but we're able, when we're able to recognize like, ooh, there is something here and I need to recognize it and it's old and use it in a constructive way. Like you were like, this is not going to happen. We are not going to reproduce this in this space. Right. So you used it really constructively. Not everybody's able to do that. Right. Like the mm-hmm. couple that you brought up just a second ago, it sounds like possibly, and again, I have no idea who these people are, there might be some older stuff coming up, maybe even for him, you know? And I've worked with couples where that's absolutely happened, where sometimes, and I know I've done this too with my husband and vice versa, where, you know, you're 40 something year olds and you're talking. But at some point, a switch is flipped, you get triggered. And now all of a sudden, you're like an eight year old, or you're like a 10 year old. You know, and you feel because mm-hmm. I think you even said it's like, sometimes he becomes this adolescent. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you say that as like an example. But sometimes, if you ask, like I've asked people like, you're feeling a little maybe like 10 to me right now, like what happened to 10? Mm-hmm. You know, and you'd be surprised mm-hmm. at how many people are like, oh, shoot. You know, like there was something going on and oh my gosh, this is how I felt back then, right? So being able to be aware of when does our stuff come into the situation and impact how we're showing up in our relationships, whether it be with our partners or with our kids is so, so important and key in terms of how we break free from that stable misery cycle. And so, okay, so walk us through, so let's say people come to you and you teach them about stable misery and Mm -hmm. they're like, yep, you're, you're describing us to the T. Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? Where do we start? You're a master at systems. Okay. Okay. Psychologist lady, (laughs) tell us, tell us, Dr. Willis, tell us what we're supposed to do. How do, how do we fix this? Well, the first thing that I always talk to people about is, so in the PADS model, the P stands for perspective. And perspective take, stands represents a couple of things. It represents the stories in our head, which are huge. 
Oh my gosh, the amount of time I spend talking about the stories in our head and how it impacts how we show up, um, which I can talk about in a moment. But P also stands for the vision, right? So our perspective about what's happening in the moment, like what we think about what's happening in the moment, and also our perspective about where we want to go. So we get really clear on where are you and where do you want to go? Where do you want to move this relationship forward? The example that I always give is, you know, if I was standing on the side of the road and I flagged you down and I was like, Hey, I need to, I need, I need to move. I can't be here. I I need directions. And you were like, great. Where do you want to go? And I looked at you and I said, not here. How effective (laughs) you're going to be in helping me get where you're like, take two steps to the left there. You're not here. What do you want from me? Right. And so a lot of times people do is they come into these relationships, whether it be counseling or coaching, and we start talking. Right? I have people all the time coming to me and be like, yeah, I went to counseling. We just talked every week. We talked about the problem over and over and over again. And my thing is we have to start with where you want to go. So the first thing you need to do is talk about what do you want your relationship to look like? If you don't want it to look like this, what do you want to look like? So now you have a vision that pulls you as opposed to a fear that is prompting you all to just kind of escape one another you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so get that vision straight, get clear on the perspective, get clear on what are the stories in your head that are keeping you stuck. So when you find yourself inching towards that cycle, that same argument or that shut down disconnected space where you're just aloof and not talking to each other, what are you saying about yourself, about your partner, about your kid, right? What are the stories in your head and recognizing that's a story in my head. It's not necessarily a fact. And one of the assignments that I give just about every couple I work with is I say, for an entire week, when you get frustrated, I want you to start to the best of your ability with the story in my head is Mm. the story in my head is you don't care. The story in my head is you did that on purpose. The story in my head is right. And what that does is it starts this process of realizing two things. One, it's the story in your head. It's not necessarily the reality. And two, you can take responsibility for what you're thinking, just like your partner can take responsibility for what they're thinking, right? And once you get clear on the story, like if the story in my head is you don't care about me, I can be like, oh, that's how you interpreted that? Or you did that on purpose just to make me angry. That's what you, oh, right? So now we got a ball game because now we can start, we have something that we can work with and work around. Let me pause on that. Mm-hmm. The story in my head. So that I think is a very tangible, tangible way for people to start a conversation that they haven't been having. Mm-hmm. And and before we started recording, we were talking about Brene Brown and vulnerability and how people know what that means now. And it's even in some circles celebrated to show yes. up vulnerably and authentically and all of that. And And so I think it can be really vulnerable when you're in a cycle of stable misery and you're just kind of stuck and you're coexisting with your partner. You feel like roommates that get along maybe some of the Mm -hmm. time, but maybe a lot of the time you don't really get along. And so there you are stuck in that. To have a real conversation and to kind of like extend the olive branch, I think can feel super vulnerable. Because what if the other person makes you feel stupid or gaslights you or so, so I think it can be really vulnerable. And so that I think is such an amazing tool. The story in my head, because it sort of unhooks you a little bit and it seems like it's a way to not attack the other person. It's like taking ownership. Right. So it's so instead of saying like you're being such an asshole, (laughs) right, (laughs) which I mean, everyone's going to get defensive. Yes. Yes. Right. And so instead of of calling the other person names and being a part of the problem, saying the story in my head, it's like now all of a sudden I'm not attacking you. I'm not name calling you. I'm just letting you know it's a little bit vulnerable, but I'm inviting you into the story in my head. Right. I love that. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for yes. doing that.
Hey, podcast listeners, I'm super excited to tell you about something new that I'm doing called the Weekend Warm-Up. It's going to be on the third Friday of every month. And I'm going to coach you live. I created this because I know a lot of you guys feel like you know me, but I want to know you too. So you're going to come, you're going to get on Zoom with me. I'm going to coach you and we're going to get you warmed up for your weekend. What do I mean by that? We're going to hunt, gather, parent our weekends together. If you don't know what Hunt, Gather, Parent, I've turned it into a verb just so y'all know. Hunt, Gather, Parent is a book that came out not long ago. I've had the author on the podcast. I make it required reading for anyone that comes and works with me. And it's just about the fact that many of us, especially those of us who come and listen to things like this, our weekends are just filled with too many kid activities and there's no adult time. You know, maybe you're going from birthday parties to just nonstop, nonstop fun, nonstop memories, and you're finding yourself depleted and exhausted, maybe even more so on Sunday night than you were on Friday. And it's just not supposed to be that way. So we're going to hunt, gather, parent our weekends together. I'm going to coach you live. I'm so excited to meet you guys and I want you to sign up. It's free. I'm offering it for free. So just go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash weekend, mastermindparenting.com forward slash weekend. Sign up, sign up. Okay, now no, keep going, course. keep so, teaching us, keep teaching Yes, yes, yes. So the A, as I said earlier, stands for awareness. And that is around our feelings and our body sensations. And and a lot of the people that come to me, I also have a parenting program called Trigger to Transformed. And I designed it specifically for parents who want to raise their kids and sometimes themselves differently from how they were raised, right? So people who came from homes with, um, where I like to say the four horsemen reigned, the four horsemen being pain, blame, shame, and avoidance um, were often used to parent them. So they come in with these, these tactics and these strategies that they know don't work, but it's what they default to when they get really frustrated with their children. And I found that for those, for the people that I work with, and I'm one of them, we have this detachment sometimes from our feelings and our body sensations. So if you're anything like me, growing up, my feelings and body sensations were a liability, at least the vulnerable, difficult ones, right? Because I got things like stop crying before I give you something to cry about what's wrong with you, nothing's wrong, stop it. You know, so it was one of those things where for me, difficult emotions became an enemy, like, ah, I can't feel those or sense those. And if they came up, it was like, you are bad. Oh, especially the vulnerable ones like sadness and fear and things like that. Anger, had its place, but the other ones didn't. So for a lot of the clients that I work with, difficult emotions are are hard to to, to invite in and use. Um, so when we and, and what ends up happening is we end up reacting from them. Right? So instead of recognizing that I'm angry right now or I'm sad right now, I come at you because from that anger or from that sadness. And what I teach people to do in the A phase is to start looking at emotions and body sensations a little differently. So instead of them being the enemy, look at them as signposts. So sadness is no longer something that should be avoided because when we try to avoid it, it's like it's going to come up in other ways, usually onto the people that we love. Instead of viewing it that way, view it as a signpost. It's just an indicator. It's just an indicator of where you are in that moment. Right. So being able to say, I'm sad right now, or I'm really tense right now. And then where we end up moving from that is you, you're able to use your emotions and your body sensations as indicators of when you're getting triggered, of when you're about to shut down, of when you are, you know, rounding that bin so that you can shift how you respond in those moments. So that usually takes a lot of experimentation. Experimenting is my favorite word in the English language. I love experiments. You know, it takes a lot of little experiments that we set up. But what ends up happening is it's a great way once you gain that awareness, not just of your emotions and body sensations, but also how other people are responding to you. So when I say this, I notice my partner tends to turn away from me. Oh, maybe I need to be aware of that and think about that. What's going on in that moment, right? So becoming aware, 
And then the T, once you get clear on the stories in your head, you know where you want to go. You're starting to use your emotions and body sensations as signposts. The T stands for tools. And I say, we're always using a tool. In every relationship, we're using a tool. The question never is, am I using a tool? The question is always, is this tool I'm using helpful or unhelpful in this moment? That is always the question. So yelling is a tool. Taking five deep breaths is a tool. They're both tools. Right. So once you start to get this awareness and all of these different things, now we can start shifting the tools that we use in those moments. And that is when a lot of times people really start to see themselves starting to move out of those cycles a little bit easier. I mean, it starts ahead of time before that, but this is when our actions, our habits that we formed literally start to shift because instead of yelling now, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to go into the other room and I'm going to take a minute, right? So we start to get clear on what are the habits that are still there? Because in the first three phases, a lot of habits actually shift without us even needing to do much of anything, perfectly honest with you. But sometimes they're the little lingering ones that still are like, you know, like when I get angry, I just start yelling, you know, or I get this one a lot too. It's usually, if again, if I'm talking about a heterosexual relationship, the wife, will get angry and be like, me, 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 me. And the husband will be like, and then the wife is like, you're abandoning me. You're leaving. Come back. Stop. Uh, You don't care. Really? And it's one of those things where it's like, okay. (laughs) So his tool is, I'm out of here. Her tool is, right? Which just creates this dynamic. So once we point out what the cycles are, now we can say, okay, can we either reframe the tools mm-hmm. or retrain the tools? So when he turns and walks away, he might say, that's my way of stopping. Like, I need a moment. I have to go away. If I stay there, nothing good will happen. So it's reframing, whereas for her, it's you're abandoning me. You're walking away. You're rejecting me. You don't care. We framing it as, oh, you need that moment. Right. And then maybe even a retrain on his part to be able to say, I need a moment. I'll be back Mm -hmm. in five and then walking away as opposed to walking away. And then we never come back to it again until we bust into the cycle again later. Right. So it's like reframing, retraining tools. Again, these are all things, habits that we formed. And sometimes they require little tweaks in order to. So sometimes you don't need a complete overhaul. It's like little tweaks to be able to shift how you're showing up. And that's what happened with that last couple that I mentioned earlier. They realized like, oh, it's not as bad as we thought, but we couldn't see it. And we needed help to be able to see where we were falling off the cliff, where we needed the help and where we needed to shift. Right. So interesting because I think that's what bringing in a third party like yourself Quite often, I think it adds that extra layer that's necessary because everyone, it's like the couple that I described earlier, he's acting like a rebellious teenager. Mm -hmm. And most likely it's because the communication, when both of them have been triggered, probably has been a lot of name calling or storming out of the room and not having simple communication tools like this, you know, in their toolbox, they didn't even know. And so then it just becomes like months and years mm-hmm. of built up resentment from him constantly storming out or blowing his top, her crying and or yelling at him or making him feel bad. And so all those unhealthy patterns and how they like how they basically fought, you know, just the unhealthy ways that they fought, it just like builds and builds and builds. And so then all of a sudden, when you have a third party come in and have some empathy and compassion for for each of them. It's not like you're right, he's wrong, he's right, you're wrong. It's like, I'm going to see your perspective and I'm going to see your perspective. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like such an amazing bridge for people that if more people realized like you don't have to live like this, like joy is five sessions away. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, seriously. 
Yes, yes. Why would you withhold your, that from yourself? You don't have to. And, you know, I always tell, and because the next letter is H, which stands for healing. And I always tell clients that I work with, you're not broken, your partner's not broken, or your kid's not broken, but you likely have some habits that need to be. Mm. Right? And this, mm. and so what we do in the work is we look at like, what are these habits? And how do we shift them? How do we break them so that you're not feeling stuck and you're not having to relax? Because every tool that we have in our box is there for a reason. There was a time when acting like a petulant teenager was protective and helpful. Like we don't form habits for no reason. It's just, that's not the way our brain works. It's not the way our body works. They're there for a reason. They just might not work right now. Even yelling has a purpose, right? Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I just started listening to the book, No Bad Parts. Mm. You ever heard of that one? Mm -hmm. It's by Dick Schwartz. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think of, of, do you like, what is it? Internal family systems? Yes, yes, yes. I trained in that years ago, back when it, before it even became mainstream. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. trained in that. I love the concept that we all have many parts. And I say that to my clients now, like, even though we appear to be one being, we have many parts within us, you know, and there we go through life with all of these different parts that, that's, react and respond in ways to keep us safe. And that's a good thing. But sometimes these parts of us don't realize that the roles that they serve no longer serve us in this moment. So it's interesting with like, say, yelling, right? So there might have been a time when you were really young, where you were yelled at, or you felt unsafe in your home. And now that you're older, if your child triggers that very young part within you for some reason that, that got yelled at and was not like, say your child's like, I hate you. You're stupid. Right. And that little young part of you is like, right. There might be another part of you that's like, you will not talk to me that way. Right. Like, and basically that part's like, oh, that's not happening again. What happened all those years ago is not going to happen again. Not realizing that that was an adult. 30 years ago, who was not very kind to that younger part, to that part of you when you were really up, this is a child. It's not the same situation, right? Mm -hmm. But these parts of us, they're, they're reactive and they're very protective. So that's where the healing comes in. And that's why healing is so important. Realizing, and I, I differentiate between stressors and triggers, like I said earlier, realizing when my present circumstance is overwhelming my ability to cope, that's a stressor. Right. So crying baby, dinner needs to get fixed, homework needs to get done, blah, 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 blah. I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I can't cope. I yell. Right. Versus a trigger. That's when your past experience is overwhelming your ability to cope with the present circumstance. Right. Mm. So my child's like, I hate you. You're stupid. Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden I'm triggered because now those parts of me that remember what happened long ago are active and they're like, oh, not again, never again. And now I'm like screaming at my child, you know, you'll never do that to me. You can't talk to me that way, mom. And the child's like, who's mom? Now <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> your mom. I don't understand what's happening right now, you know? And that's a sign. I would say stressors need to be honored. Triggers need to be healed. Okay? Mm. So realizing what within you, like, like when we have those moments, stable misery is actually a gift. I know, I know. Don't throw things at me. But it's really a gift as are our parenting triggers and our partnership triggers. They're gifts because they give us insight into what within me needs to be healed, what within me needs to be honored. And that's a huge focus of the Trigger to Transform Parent Coaching Program. It's about getting clear on when am I stressed? When am I triggered? What needs to be shifted? And creating new habits to be able to do that effectively in the moment, you know, with your kids, with your partner, so that you're not feeling, you don't all of a sudden descend into that guilt, shame, resentment, spiral, god awful pit that we can sometimes find ourselves sinking to the bottom of. Mm -hmm. So interesting to hear, just to hear your language around like all of these concepts, because I've been self-helping for pretty much, pretty much since I would say 
before we even took that parenting class. So I would say for about 24 years, I've been kind of a self-helpaholic. Mm-hmm. And um, here, I'll, gi- I'll give a little funny story. There was evidently a recent TikTok trend that my kids were telling me about. And one of my friends, I have this adult male friend who is obsessed with TikTok. <laughs> like literally, like it's his drug of choice. Wow, and that's funny. His, we all got yeah, one. It's, it's his drug of choice. And um, and so he was doing this thing where there was this trend, which is like ranking people in your life. Like he was like, yeah, he goes, my wife, she's a 10, but she's an OCD cleaning freak. So she's a seven. <laughs> and then he said, <laughs> and then he said about me, he goes, yeah, my friend Randy, she's a nine, but she's a self-helpaholic. So she's a six. <laughs> that's funny you're not wrong but dang really have to call me out on tiktok (laughs) i mean i was like that's fair okay i don't remember where i was going before oh i know what i was saying you know i've read so many things books by people with credentials like you books and i've read and listened to so many things books and and things probably that people like you would discredit um, or I'm mm. guessing would discredit that are way into the woo. And I love the woo. Okay. Totally. Okay. I love the woo. You, 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 you cross over. So I, I totally so I, bridge. <laughs> yeah. You're a bridge. So I, you know, I'm a high fact finder. So I am, so I love learning and I've been, you know, learning all these different things. And so much of what you're talking about is, basically a lot of the concepts that I talk about and teach as well. And it's like, these are not new concepts. Mm. Like we're not pulling them out of a hat. We're <laughs> talking about this method, these ways, uh, like having more self-awareness in understanding that we all were conditioned when we were kids and we bring that conditioning forward and It only plays out in every one of our relationships. And so talk is cheap. You can say you want to be a different kind of parent or run a different kind of household for your kids than you grew up in. And until you actually dig in and commit to changing these patterns, these autopilot patterns, you're going to repeat the same cycle. Yeah. So you, it's kind of like people who are like, oh, I really want to be 20 pounds lighter or get in better shape. And it's like, well, you can't just snap and bewitch yourself into that. You're going to have to like sweat and be in pain and not eat the ice cream five nights in a row or whatever it is. Like you're going to have to go through some discomfort to achieve Mm -hmm. that goal. And I think it's the same thing here. Yeah. It really is. It really is. You know, and the thing that I try to do, you can probably tell from my personality, is I always tell people, like, it doesn't have to be gut-wrenching. Like, I'm right. all about making things fun. Because if it's gut-wrenching and it's horrible and it's hard, you're not going to do it. Heck, I'm not going to do it. You know, not for long, you know. So there has to be some sort of a win in there, some sort of a fun piece in there. You know, like, even with the Trigger to Transform Parent Coaching Program, Yes, there's a curriculum and a lot of the the videos in there are really funny because I produce them myself and I, I make them silly, you know, and there's a community of parents who get it, who are going to amen, be like, yes, I've been there and this is what I tried. And, and then there's also coaching where you get me every other week to sit there and look at you and answer your questions and help you work through things, right? Because you need different things to be able to, to get you going. And even with my couples... It's like we co-create the experiments they do because I'm like, let's do something that's going to be fun. Let's do something that'll feel like a layup to you. So even if it's hard, like a layup, like don't, I'm not going to ask you do this particular activity seven days a week until we meet again every single day for an hour a day. You're not going to freaking do it, but you can do this one thing for three minutes, two times before we meet again. Let's start Mm -hmm. there. Right. Mm -hmm. So even as you're going through this, like, just do tiny little things, tiny little things that you can do to make these micro shifts, to give you these micro wins, to give your brain that hit of dopamine <laughs> so that you'll want to take the next step and the next step. It's the same with the call. Just sign up for a call. It's one call. It's not going to kill anybody. You know, if you decide I don't like that, I don't want that, whether it's me or somebody else, 
just one call. Just one step. Well, I think we're preaching the same thing. It's like, okay, you don't have to live in stable misery. You don't have to stay stuck. Like this life, this beautiful life that we were all given, we are meant to be fully alive. Mm. And when you're in a situation that you know every day when you open your eyes, you're thinking like, oh, okay, something needs to shift. Yes. Something needs to change. <laughs> when like when you wake open- up and you look at your partner and you're like, you're still here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're when you it's like when it's fingernails on a chalkboard or cringeworthy when you see your family members enter <laughs> the room. <laughs> We've got a problem and we can fix it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, can I tell you one other thing too about the woo? So years ago, divine download, I divinely downloaded this book. It's called My Forgotten Self. And it's about this little girl. I don't even, there are not even that many copies of it left at this point. So I'm not even promoting. I mean, you could probably find them on Amazon, but it's about this little girl who her family, she's like going to a different family member. And she's like, I want to do this. And her family's like, no, you can't do that. Her family's like, oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. I want to, she goes to all her family members and they all tell her why she can't do what she wants to do. So she gets really sad and she's in her room. And this being named I am <laughs> comes into her room and they go on this fantastical journey together where she learns that she has power within her and that she is worthy and loved and that she can do all the things that, that she wants in, in different ways. And I share that to say, um, I didn't realize it at the time because it seriously was a divine dent. Like I wasn't trying to write that story. I, I was like, I'm not, even after I wrote it, I was like, I'm not an author. Like <laughs> I wrote it, published it, everything. I was like, I'm not really an author because that was a download. But it's when I look back at it now, it's a book at how her family wasn't trying to be mean. They weren't trying to discourage her. But what was happening was they had their own wiring. They had their own beliefs based on the experiences they had. And they were passing those beliefs down to her because they had, they didn't have the awareness. They weren't aware of the stories in their head. They weren't aware of the tools that they were using with her that weren't helpful. They hadn't done their healing, right? So those things weren't present. So now they're passing this stuff, this baggage down to this girl unintentionally trying to help, right? And then she goes through basically a mystical experience where she is empowered and learns a different choice. But I say that to say, it's so important to go through this process. Even if you don't think, even if you're like, well, I don't know about this marriage, do it for your kids, do it for you, right? Because how we show up every day is impacting our children. It just is. Mm it's impacting them. It's impacting what they're learning. It's impacting how they're going to be. I always tell people, if you're, if you look at your marriage and then I tell you, okay, imagine your child having the exact same marriage in like 20 or 30 years. If that makes you cringe and want to vomit a little in your mouth, maybe you should change that because they're watching, they're watching. And chances are they're going to implement what they see. You know, so so just make a choice. Make a choice. What's that line? Do you remember that line from Glennon Doyle's book, um, from Untamed, where she said, "Why would I stay in this marriage for my kids if I wouldn't want this marriage for my yes. kids?" Yes. Oh, I don't know that line. So good. so good. Perfect. You know, it's always mm-hmm. funny when when authors say things, and I'm like, I should have said that. <laughs> So perfect. (laughs) But it's that same concept. Yes, yes. Love Glennon. She's awesome. Same, same concept, you know, like, Mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't subject yourself to that, especially if you wouldn't want your kids to do it. Because they are, I tell people all the time, your parenting education journey didn't start when you had kids. It started when you were in the womb. It started Mm -hmm. when you were in the womb. That's when you started learning what it, what it meant what nurturing and caring and all that stuff meant. Every single day that you were parented by some sort of a caregiver, you learned a different lesson on how to be a parent. And that is going to impact how you parent and your children are learning those same lessons. So if you think, uh, I need to teach different lessons. I need to scrap this old curriculum, this old textbook and write a new one. Do it. 
Hop Do on it. my calendar, hop on Randy's calendar, or hop in T2T, whatever, you know, but don't just sit there and continue to live in stable misery when you realize like, I don't want this for myself. And I certainly don't want this for future generations. Well, and, you know, I think the cool thing is, I think it can be easy to, because most of us have a negative, you know, inner dialogue happening in our heads where we talk to ourselves in ways that we would never talk to anyone else that we love. We call ourselves, you know, such an idiot. I can't believe I said that. Right. Um, And we, right, we beat ourselves up. Okay. And so I think it can be easy to feel so terrible about the mistakes that you feel like you've been making, right? Repeating the cycle, even though you swore you were going to do it differently, Mm -hmm. but you know that you're not doing it differently. I think it can be easy to go down that rabbit hole where you're just beating yourselves up more and then you avoid even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And what I want to invite every listener into right now is the fact that you are listening to this Okay. The fact that you take the time to educate yourself, to read parenting books, to listen to this conversation, like you could be binge watching Netflix, like I'm, (laughs) you could be doing anything. But if you are listening to this, you are the kind of parent who is a trailblazer Mm -hmm. and who's been called to more and is taking action. And let me tell you something it's a very big deal to be the one that breaks generational patterns. Oh my gosh, that's huge. Right? It's huge. And so you, it's like, it's like God said to Moses, like you are Moses <laughs> in your family right now. This is a burning bush. Pay attention right. to the burning bush. <laughs> right. So you're Moses. And so rather than like beating yourself up, instead kind of like look over your shoulder and be like, why, why am I the one chosen one? Why, why am I not just repeating these patterns yeah. and going through life unconsciously? Can I just go back to sleep? Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't. You're right? awake. You can't go back to sleep. Sorry. It's not possible. No, you're and awake and you've been mm-hmm. chosen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I love that so much. I call, I call us revolutionaries, relationship evolutionaries. Like we're mm. dedicated to evolving our most sacred relationships. And it is such a gift to our, not just our children, but ourselves. Right. And the fact that you see these patterns aren't working. I need to change them. To your point, Randy, is huge. Like you've got the call. Are you going to answer it? You know? And I also love the fact that you brought up the shaming piece. Like you're going to make mistakes. Heck, I make mistakes. What ends up happening when you start on this journey is it's going to feel crappy because it's going to happen. Well, you've already started. If you're listening to this podcast, you've already started. But what ends up happening is you start to notice your mistakes more. And you start, and your 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 impetus is to beat up on yourself more. Right? Like, oh, I didn't do that thing. Oh, I didn't say the thing I was supposed to do. And I suggest reframing that of, wow, I probably would not have even recognized that is something that I didn't want to do six weeks ago or a month ago. And the fact that I recognize it now is huge. Now, what am I going to do about it? Right. So realizing that as you're making these shifts and implementing these things, you're going to bumble. You're going to like I said, my favorite word is experiment. Just experiment. Set up an experiment. What happens if an experiment doesn't go the way you want it? You do it again or you do another one. You change a variable and you do it again. I love experiments. They're amazing. Right. And, (laughs) and, you know, I was just thinking, I was thinking about the metaphor. Like if you have the winning lottery ticket and you know, it's the winning lottery ticket, you're about to get millions and millions and millions of dollars. You'll be able to buy anything you want. But you've also heard stories that once you're, you win the lottery, like it's a lot of pressure. Mm. You're going to have to learn all kinds of things about how to manage your finances. All the randos are going to come out of the woodworks, you know, being your, yeah. their, your long lost relative asking for money. <laughs> yeah. You know, all the foundations are going to ask you for money. It, so there's going to be a lot involved. Like there are so many gifts if you won the lottery, but there's a lot involved. Yeah. Would you not turn that winning lottery ticket mm. in because you're like, oh, I'm not sure I'm up for that. Yeah. I, I, like, like that sounds, that sounds really hard. Mm. Or would you be like, I'll figure it out. 
I won the lottery. Like, I am going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. Like, that's what I feel like this is introducing. Like, if you're listening to this, you have the winning lottery ticket. And yeah, there's going to be some bumps in the road. And and it's not going to be all just smooth sailing and buying yachts. And (laughs) you got to turn the lottery ticket in. So take action and 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 get rich. And we're here. We want you exactly to. generational wealth. That's what we're talking about here, man. Pass some of Gener- that <laughs> lottery mm-hmm. winnings down to your kid. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, this has been such a fun conversation. We have so, so much in common. Okay, so before you go, do you have anything that you want to any kind of calls to action for our listeners and how they can find out more about you? Ex- that? Yes, yes, absolutely. So if you go to healingstablemisery.com, you can download um, the Healing Stable Misery Roadmap. And it lays out all the paths and you'll get some uh, gifts for me every day that will help you to actually implement the paths. So go ahead, grab that, and you can start implementing these in your parenting and in your partnership. The way they're designed, you can apply them to both or either. So go to HealingStableMisery.com and grab that. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Thanks so much for being here. It was so much fun to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically, I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching, and I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better, because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.